I'm Nana. And I'm Bonkio. And this is African.American. This is a show about children of African immigrants and African immigrants themselves living in the United States. Today, we're going to talk about traveling. Traveling while Black, while African, while American, (laughs) everything in between. But let's start with traveling while African because um, there's some particular particularities about that experience and we both have perspective on that and can speak to it. Let's start with visas. How have you been, what's been your experience trying to get a visa with an African passport to go somewhere? I can only speak to, I've only had to deal with that once, um, which was coming to the U.S. I mean, the the process was very difficult, um, to say the least, but from family and stuff like that, it's it's a difficult process to just get a visa. Jump through a whole bunch of hoops. Even to go to some of these non-Western countries, it's difficult to kind of get that visa and the interview process, the even getting an interview. I know yeah. I Anna, it's, it's difficult to do that. But because of that, you have a lot of folks kind of trying to go the back way, going to another African country first and then, you know, heading off to Europe, um, trying to find different ways to, to get abroad. Yeah, no, it's definitely the hassle. Um, I can speak to, so I was just uh, looking, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but this actually seems about right. Sierra Leone and Ghana are, in terms of most powerful passports ranked, they're in the 60s. So Sierra Leone is 64 mm-hmm. and Ghana is 68. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I think this ranking this is called the oh, Passport it. Index. It's the other way around, um, but perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it's the other way around. So whatever. But I mean, 64, 68, big whoop to do. At least we're not at the very bottom. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say my experience with passports are, um, I have more experience, and I speak about like my adult recollection, Mm -hmm. applying for passports to Europe and to uh, various Arab countries Mm -hmm. with a non-American passport. Mm. Let me tell you, it's interesting. I think, you know, because I was a green card holder for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm American, regardless of what the passport is at this point. I've grown up here. This is home, blah, blah, blah. And so it just would always be a little jarring. Just be treated interestingly. So what do you mean by treated interestingly? Well, treat like trash. I don't know if I want to name the country, but mm. I needed a visa to go to a certain North African country and the woman later on I did find out from a person who's from there that she's just kind of known for being mean and rude so I felt a little less you know targeted targeted but she Mm -hmm. was really mean to me like I and I think my mom did say that well you you know at the time I came in there with like my afro and I had on this black clothing she said you're going on there looking like a black panther what do you expect (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) you're looking like you know an Angela Davis wannabe People, she's like African people only respect suits and you know. Fa- yeah, you you have to you have to go go in there, quote unquote, looking Western. I'm uh, I was looking Western. I was looking mm-hmm. like a Black American. 
no western as they see it yeah well i'm not i'm not white and i'm a college student and i'm helping your country's economy the way i see it i don't want to immigrate there i was like i got my green card for america why would i go there and stay so it's sort of like the scrutiny it's sort of annoying to like get the paperwork together but then the added piece of like go do this you know Mm -hmm. saying things yelling orders at people as yeah. opposed to speaking to people as if they're human beings. It yeah. really pissed me off, but there's nothing I could do because I needed that visa in order to like study or whatever what it was I was do. trying to do. Um, I would say um, also my experiences in certain countries um, uh, and we can talk about this a little bit when we talk about traveling while American is always interesting when they think you're African. Um, mm. A lot of times look at I'm not ashamed of it I look African I don't always dress like a black panther as my mom said Uh whatever um and people often read me one way or the other right and I can tell when they've read me as African versus when they've read me as an American um yeah and again it comes a lot with and that's why I always say I know people say black you know anti-blackness is a global phenomenon I would say anti-Africanness is because there is a solidarity, I think, in other countries with the African-American experience that makes mm-hmm. them, even if they're doing things that don't quite fit. Like, I've also got what's up my N-word and, we've, you know, uh, and stuff like that. But that's because they're trying to, like, relate to hip hop culture yeah. and those kinds of things. And, and so, yeah, being perceived as African-American yeah. is better than being African in a lot yeah. of countries around the world. Yeah. And I think it is different once people get to know you and have conversations with you, but like random people in the street, when they assume that I am, you know, an African student studying there, X, Y, and Z, I feel like I've really gotten to see that y'all really do think Africans are less than, even though y'all are in no. this <laughs> continent. And it's <laughs> y'all on the continent. And I think that that yeah. is the thing that we see. I mean, it's not just on the African continent, it's not just with Arab countries, had that in places like Spain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've where, talked where about that. Where they read you as, yeah. If they think that you are a West African woman that's being trafficked for prostitution, yeah. there there are reasons for these things, but, you know, these things are beyond us as individuals, but they, yeah. do, they do affect our situation. I had a situation in Spain where I'm trying to get my cell phone or whatever it's been years since i had been there and so i like go to the vodafone store or whatever i'm trying to get the sim card and the line was just kind of set up differently because it wasn't just a straight line i just came in and people were just kind of standing in different places it only been a day or two so my spanish in my i could understand but like speaking it wasn't fully there but i get there and i just kind of stand and then the guy calls me because i'm like i don't understand these aren't lines it just seems like people are randomly standing around the store looking at Mm -hmm. phones looking at options and this woman this spaniard starts yelling no i was here first she shouldn't be allowed and i'm you know first of all tongue-tied because i'm language tied yeah and they're like the guy behind the counter is like, oh, sorry, we, I didn't know. She's like, no, we can't let them get away with everything. They come here. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I oh. want to contribute to your recession 2008 country. Let's get that right. I'm not here to... It annoyed me because I felt like I felt powerless to say anything because I didn't mm-hmm. have my Spanish together. So I was like, is this mm, saying what I think she's saying? I know my comprehension is good, but I can't say anything back. So, you know, he just dealt with her and he was nice with me afterwards. But again, yeah. it's those kinds of things. Who Who's this they? 
who are they that are getting away with everything? Yeah. Because even, you know, it's one of those things that's like, yes, I'm not an immigrant. No, I'm not a traffic person. No, I'm not an X, Y, and Z. But what if I was? I'm still mm-hmm. a human being. And yeah. you just, it just made me think about what people actually go through in those situations all day, every day. I've so, learned to just be, be nice. And I don't know if this is even a good approach. To it's it. not. Um, to be the, told. I, I mean, the worst, the worst of worst that I have experienced has been in the south of India. So we'd gone to it's a smaller town within a, a bigger city. Within the big city, we're fine. We go into the smaller town. I'm with a group of black friends. And we're literally the only the only black people. At first, when it was happening, I thought they thought we were, were American. And so that's why they were doing it. But everywhere we'd go, like even on the streets, we'll go out for walks. And bus, buses would stop. And everybody would be staring at us. Like. You walk by stores and folks would be, you know, stopping, looking, pointing, laughing. That's insane and, because aren't people pretty dark in the South of India? Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, at first I was like, oh, maybe they think they, they've never seen Americans. So I'm like, oh, okay, what? <laughs> no, no, of course, no, that's where their minds go. I, I was trying to give them benefit of a doubt. They'll wave at us, we'll wave back. Some girl stopped us and she was like, oh, Oprah, Oprah. Michelle Obama, I was like, whoa. And so she was like, oh, can I get a picture? This young girl, can I get a picture with you guys? We obliged. It wasn't until we walked into the store. This girl was darker than me. And I'm pretty dark. (laughs) (laughs) Darker than me. And I'm pretty dark. (laughs) We walk into the store. And this girl, like, calls everybody around, um, around there, like, all the to come and look at us, come and look, come and look. And they start pointing and laughing. That was when we were like, what the entire... Yeah. So <laughs> we get out and it's like everywhere you go, people stop and wave. People like, even even to the point where we went to, so we were there for a function, we we're there for someone's, a friend of ours wedding. And even at the venue, like people would stop wanting to take pictures with you, people would stop. Like okay, you all—it's—you know, this is not even about a color thing because you all are darker. Some of you all are darker than we are. Yeah, it's like maybe it's a features thing. It's just that like they can tell you're not from there, and for whatever reason, don't teach, have not learned not to like stop and stare and point. Like the whole town, the whole town, the whole town. It was quite amazing. I mean, that's that's been the worst, the worst of the worst I've I've, I've experienced. I haven't experienced. I mean, you haven't experienced it in the U.S. I think the the whole African thing, of you know, people viewing you as depending on where you go in the U.S. Um, depending on where you travel, people viewing you as you know, um, African and treating you differently. Um, I think that's true too. Yeah, it's 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 more subtle and it is different. Yeah. Like I'd rather be an African in America than in a lot of other yeah. places yeah. for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like you know, like no, because you experience the South India. Like I had that happen in Spain. You know, like in Spain, they're like, "Hey, Morena, blah 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 blah." Like they're just standing people, and pointing. People thinking you're a damn prostitute during some, you going to a Semana Santa uh, procession <laughs> and some old man. <laughs> oh, I'm like, what the. Y'all need to really stop with this because it's like, it's not, I had things in Egypt where people would be like chocolate all the time, chocolate, chocolate, um, 
this woman tried to make me more than one person tried to make me kiss their baby. And I'd be like, you know, you just don't. That's why I say being nice doesn't work because I would. I remember there was one situation where I just got there and they were like, kiss the baby. And the baby, the baby was sick. The baby had like snot coming out his nose and stuff. And I was like, um, I'm not going to kiss this baby. So I just kind of got real close and went. Mwah! And then the, is there some sort of good luck attached to a black person kissing? I baby? don't know why they wanted to do it. I think it's just they hadn't seen someone as dark as I am because this was um, like a northern Egypt, not Alexandria, but like a small town, Rosetta Stone, the town mm-hmm. where the Rosetta Stone was found, ah. um, and which is why we were there. And then you know this Egyptian woman that I was with, she was like, she asked them. She was like, why? Like the way she she asked, it was like why are y'all doing this? This is rude. This is weird. And that was what gave me the cue that like, I can question (laughs) these things. I don't have to like go along to get along to make other people feel at ease when I'm not sure of what their intentions are. But yeah, it is, um, I won't say it's, it it is, you know, and I've heard worse stories, right? Like of actual, like in Morocco, I've made, I have over the years befriended people who are students there and they talk about getting eggs, tomatoes, um, other kinds of things thrown at them, getting jacked. And I think part of it is just that if you look like you are not local, Mm -hmm. Whether it's for street harassment or for more nefarious things, people are going to target you because Mm -hmm. you're not a member of the community and they're not going to be able to hold you, hold that person accountable for what they did to you in the same way that they would if it was their mama, sister, brother, uncle's cousin. So, yeah, it's tough. But, you know, we got (laughs) Yeah, no, it is what it is. You just have to, like, do it. I think that uh, I guess the last part I'll say about traveling while African is that um, sometimes I would say to my friends like I don't understand why people don't read me as an American first and one of my friends <laughs> was within the UAE she's like you you're respectful <laughs> she's wow like, you don't go you don't dress like you came out of BB and you're heading to the club you wear like I chose not to live in an expat like a western expat neighborhood Mm -hmm. I lived in a South Asian and Arab neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I think that there are certain you just need to respect what's there I dress man the way I dress is how I dress everywhere but like I'm not wearing booty shorts or low crop tops and things Mm -hmm. like that she's like you're not you're you're being respectful and so they think you are of the culture here as opposed Mm -hmm. to like being American she's like nah we come out and it's a little bit true I'm not saying all Americans go around dressing crazily I think that some of that is part of it like I would wear I wear bias and stuff like they don't necessarily do that and so it's easier to point peep them out as Americans. And one thing I've noticed is, and I think it's when you're going onto the continent rather than when you're coming back, um, the the flights are definitely there's an in, there's a difference in the flights. Mm-hmm. You typically have the older airplane going. The food is you know sometimes good, sometimes you you, you can't you know you can't eat it. Yeah, That's super. true. And that's not even to say just just the continent. I've seen it going to other kind of developing countries. Where yeah. Oh, yeah. I got on a Yemen so. Airways flight. That was probably the worst one. And then I think a year later that they started having crashes and stuff. I got a we, we you know, we boarded through the back. The seats had been pulled out, Nans. There was no <laughs> seat. It was just holes. I was like, how am I supposed to? 
fly with this and be Girl, you should think of it as more legroom oh my god <laughs> i was like did y'all fit this at a junkyard like i don't understand why there are no why why i can tell this used to be a row with seats but y'all have pulled them out um yeah and i think so i think it is a developing world i've noticed that with like morocco and egypt flights the going out the flights going to france look better yeah than the ones they tend to look better than the ones flying into morocco um or egypt they they give you the old planes i mean it's one thing if it's a budget airline right like if i'm flying air asia or something like i can't i know we had one where oh gosh that was really long it was just really delayed the flight itself was whatever it was a one-hour flight from like Kuala Lumpur to Singapore so it wasn't a big mm. deal but it you know was severely delayed as well I feel like those maybe delays are more like a global phenomenon but I do think I agree I, with you I, that. I do think that they don't care as much about the delays <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking I went to Australia with my parents and they were supposed to be you know I met them there they were supposed to be coming from Ghana their flight like literally South African Airways canceled the flight when they were inside the airport after they'd, they'd given them their tickets oh, meanwhile yeah, we so we all knew that they had a um there was a strike going on these people already knew because yeah. my sister in the united states knew and had told my parents that your flight is canceled but they didn't cancel they checked them in and everything and then while they were sitting there they told them oh the flight is canceled and I'm like, this would never happen if you all were coming to America or if you were all, you know, wearing, leaving from Ghana. Yep, because y'all would have it. Yeah, I actually, now that I think about it, I had a situation like that with Qatar Airways uh, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't really a strike. It was, it was interesting because, it, you know, I've lived there before. It was their national day. I was leaving Malaysia to go, I think, to the States for the holidays or something. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was their national day. I had been known it was their national day. And what annoyed me is that, like, I like, like they don't lie. Like, they're not, they got money. They ain't got no reason to lie. So they were like, due to extraordinary circumstances, your flight, your flight was canceled. They delayed it. I was in the airport for like six hours before they finally said it was canceled. And I was wow. like, hold up. Y'all knew. That's why you say extraordinary circumstances. Yeah. Because y'all knew you can't say unforeseen. You know, every year, December 18th <laughs> this is, what happens. is your national day. So then they were like, well, it's canceled. And I was like, but I need to get home. So what are you all going to do? And so then right. it became a fight with them to figure out where to take me because it was also complicated by the blockade, which I think is still over Qatar. But this was like mm-hmm. earlier so this is back when it first started. And um, by blockade, I mean basically a whole bunch of Arab countries decided they don't like Qatar anymore, and yeah. they are like not letting Qatar use their airspace, and they're trying to strong arm Qatar into, I don't know, being weaker, a weaker presence in the Middle East. Not sure. Mm-hmm. Not my not my circus, not my monkeys. Um, but <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys. So. <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys. I can't really like. I don't know. I really know what the end game is with doing this to Qatar, but the effect on me was that mm-hmm. these people, you know, canceled my flight after having me wait in the airport for forever. And then I yeah. had to take this long convoluted trip through Hong Kong. Eventually they gave me what I needed, but I also had to be a little bit more of an entitled American. And I do wonder. 
always have to be like the entire. I've I, I right. realized that when you're walking in these airports, you need to you need to show your you passport have, somehow. Flash you that, that gold American passport. And you know, when I'm traveling for work, I travel business. And that's also a funny thing because, like, sometimes they'll be like, oh, this is the business class line. And I look at them like, I'm well aware. Oh, my God. Somebody has done that mess to me in the United States. Oh, well. You you sure you're standing the right line? I'm like, can I read? I'm sure I can read. And so, yeah, no, I, I give the attitude right back because that's, that's just uncalled for. You don't judge people by, first of all, we're flying. When I fly, I'm wearing, I, I have, I have my flight outfit. Okay. This is not just air, the age of coronavirus, but please protect yourselves. <laughs> wash your hands, use Lysol wipes, do what you got to do people. And don't be racist. Don't, 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 don't get, don't start shaking just because you see an Asian person making a sneeze. That's not the problem. The problem is y'all not washing y'all's hands with soap and water and then going, oh, but these Chinese people over here are sick. No, you sick because you don't prop, you don't practice proper hygiene. That's the problem with, you know, the world today. But anyway, no, I just, you know, that's an aside. But as, you know, as someone who comes from a country that had an epidemic and who, even though I have a U.S. passport, place of birth with Sierra Leone, you come back through immigration and they're like, are you sure you didn't go to Sierra Leone? Oh, girl, they can do it with Ghana too. Well, no, well, you know, when Sierra Leone had Ebola, I was like, I can read and I if I, you know, I mean, like, I, if I yeah. say that I'm coming from London and I was in London, why yeah. are y'all, why are y'all busting my chops? Because it says I was born in Sierra Leone on my, like, yeah. this, it doesn't make sense in the same way that this coronavirus is a global, it's a global thing yeah. now. Yeah. Diseases don't care about your nationality. They care about the fact, diseases are the equalizer. They all know, we're all mm-hmm. human now. It, it, it doesn't care about class. <laughs> She's like, we're all human. Yeah, they chop you up. Ain't the pope? The pope is over there sick. The pope has it. I was wondering. I was wondering. Uh, is, does he have coronavirus? Because you know, Italy has like over six hundred cases. Well, he was. Um, I mean, what I read was that he was amongst people with coronavirus. He was trying to comfort okay. them earlier. That's how. He, if you're in that area, you're hugging them, you're holding hands. My mom was like, "Why would he go and do that?" I'm like, "Mom, he's the pope." At his age, though. That's his job. But still, like you got you, it's your job, but you also got to take protection. He works for Jesus, and if Jesus wants to call him home, then Jesus will call him home. That's just what it is. That's what I've been saying to friends. Like, when it's your time, it's your time. But, I mean, you're the Pope. Like that's not the time for you to be hidden in your not castle. What do they live in? The I don't know, monastery. Unless you're the Pope that retired, and that's a different thing. But let's not. But I digress. <laughs> I just. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, traveling while African is interesting. Traveling while black with the U.S. passport, um, if we talk about that a little bit, is different. Um, I think you do get more cred, although uh, I think for me, traveling while African and while black always kind of go hand, black American are always hand in hand because I've had situations where people didn't believe my passport was real. Oh, and have had to, oh, yeah. And have had to go loco on them. And again, as one friend said, so that you had to show you were an entitled American. I was like, y'all are not you're not doing this today. You're not immigration <laughs> services. You're not handwriting experts. But when I'm bringing my suitcase, I just entered the airport. I am in check in departures and y'all don't want to take my stuff because you but don't what believe kind of, what my... kind of suitcase were you holding though because no, that's I was, the thing that i've learned no, i was holding a regular western suitcase i was traveling with 20 other white <laughs> white 
and white passing people mm. and they singled me out. We're not having that. And even how you're dressed. I mean, my, my parents are dressed the same way. <laughs> Don't make excuses for these people. They just could not understand why someone black had a U.S. passport. passport. And that's absolutely sure. not okay. I can't remember where I was coming from last year, but the I was holding a, I traveled with, it's like a duffel bag. It's a duffel bag, but it's big. As soon as they realized that that was what I was holding, they started questioning me. And so I'm like, oh, my God, you totally read me as African because those are the bags that we my my parents are coming um, to the States. Those are the bags that they use. And so they're like, oh, no, you have to stand in this line. Although I'm like, but you say that U.S. passports go here. They're like, no, you have to stand in this line. And And the thing is that they're not even listening to themselves. It really doesn't even matter what you say. At that point, because in their mind, they've already made up that you are this or that. And yeah. it's just, I think that that's the part that's really annoying because, and, and it goes back to when you're saying, you know, trying to be polite. I don't be polite in those kinds of situations unless I'm at the border and you, you know, I think I've said it before. Some agent told me, I was coming back from Yemen. And he was like, oh, I know you're not one of those Ali Akbar people. Now, usually Bonquillo would have something uh-huh. to say, but I was like, all right, carry on, sir. Stamp that passport. <laughs> <laughs> I surely am not, <laughs> I guess, whatever that yeah, means. You know, usually, yeah. you know, I might be like, so what exactly does that mean? You're being racist, blah, 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 blah. But I think we should talk about some of the positives, right? I think when you travel with that blue passport, girl, you ain't got to apply for as many visas. <laughs> it's like the world opens up to you in ways that it never could with and even, if, even within certain kind i think it's, it's zimbabwe where you get you get to you can get your visa in the airport mm. they charge like different prices based on where you're coming from and i think that that's fair too that's, like that's, that's fine. fair having the u.s i think the u china was the highest but for the u.s you didn't have to pay m- as much I think Sierra Leone charges U.S. citizens the same thing the U.S. charges them or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like $100, $150. And so then it's like, well, do you want to just get the passport or not? I mean, I haven't been back since whatever. So um, I don't have a currently valid Sierra Leonean passport. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind for the few countries that you have to get the visa. I just think, yeah. you know, I love being able to register with the Department of State because if things go down, you know who I want to who will airlift me? <laughs> well, not for coronavirus, girl. I've I've heard rumblings that they don't want even if you're going to get quarantined, they don't want you back here. Well, these are the di- these are these are different days. <laughs> but I'm like I'm still living my life. I'm still going to. Yeah, talk. these are the day. These are different days, of course, and it's not. It's the things are not what they used to be. No, we but also that's have- an excellent tip that you just gave, though. That you should register with the. Uh, state- oh hell yeah! I mean, even you should register with whatever. One thing I found out, um, I when I was in Morocco, I met a lady who used to work at the British Embassy, mm-hmm. and she was the one that made me hip to it. She was like, "So, if something happens, you don't have anyone yeah, to you evacuate did. you." And she said, "Because um, there was no Sierra Leonean embassy <laughs> in Morocco, so she said basically I could register with the British Embassy, mm. and they." would airlift my ass and dump me in Sierra Leone. So there's that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, you know, check, check your local. <laughs> That's no. I mean, it's something, right? If anything had happened. I mean, Morocco is pretty they stable. They don't have a U.S. embassy close to you. You can always 
do that. I mean, you'd have to have a valid Sierra Leonean passport, but like, no, I want the I want the U.S. to airlift me and help me out. And um, I love. I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. It just I'm proud to be an American. Oh, look at you singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I proudly stand up. Yeah, whatever. Yes. I love. God bless the USA. Seriously, God bless the USA. It's still. Even though it is hard to travel while being black, while being African, um, there's still some, you know, there's still some good things there. I think just the number of doors that it opens to you, the American entitlement that we sometimes bristle against when we're in the States or when we Mm -hmm. talk about things like foreign policy. It's funny how it rears its head within us at just the right moment. (laughs) Excuse me, I was in the line first. As my parents, as my parents told me the last time I was in Ghana, this is Ghana. We don't do that <laughs> because I started going off because some man had put. Oh, it so irks me whenever I think about it. He put like ramps. He made man-made ramps in front of his house because he just freshly painted his house, and they they don't they haven't tarred the road, and so. He didn't want his house to get dirty, his freshly painted house to get dirty. And so he put ramps. When you're driving over it, depending on how big your car is, the ramp kind of scratches the bottom of your car. (gasps) I got most upset when I was walking. I took a walk in the neighborhood. And that thing nearly made me fall. <laughs> I got mad. And I'm like, I'm going to knock on this door. <laughs> my parents were like, girl, you got to watch yourself. This is Ghana, okay? No, we don't do true. stuff like that. That's I was true. like, this is why I can't live I can't live here again. <laughs> you have to watch and like look at like what everybody else does. And then everybody else is complacent about these things. Well, then you, when in Rome, you got to do as the Romans do. Yeah. But sometimes people get buck about stuff. Like I know when I was in Egypt... <clears throat> I would say that in my experience there, lines are a theoretical construct. So, <laughs> so, lines that don't exist? Well, you know, it's like throw them bows, get get where you can. So uh, the first thing that I experienced when I, and we will be talking to an African, a North African dot American later in this season about Egypt. Um, and I, you know, I, you know, Whatever, great place, wonderful place to visit, amazing things to see. But I remember getting to the airport, <clears throat> the Cairo airport, and we're standing in line for immigration. And this man comes with like five women. And he's like, those are my wives. And just like butts in front of us. And again, like, I don't speak Egyptian Arabic yet. I just got off a long ass flight. Uh, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, how do you have five wives? I was like, another classmate, because she'd been in Egypt the year before, I was like, no, you know, she was able to say stuff. So basically, over time, I got a little buck, but I got, you know, as I understood the phrasing we could use. So like in Egypt, you say, um, well, I found what was helpful. Somebody like just butt in front of me and like, like I'm literally standing there and they just come. I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to so that's like saying, uh, it's like saying, oh, there are no lines now. And usually the person will like turn being around and look at you. sarcastic about it. Yeah, being sarcastic about it. You say it really loud, like, ma fiche tabour, ma fiche tabour. And then they look at you and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were standing there. I'm like me and the 20 people behind me. Like, how, how does that work? But I, but that's an example of like being able to get buck. I feel like I was getting butt because when I was American, and then I knew how to like American privilege, girl. 
No, I think happens. You you go to the embassy. (laughs) I was in Morocco, and people were. um, When I studied abroad there in college, there it was like at the peak of like people. Sub-Saharan Africans using mm. Morocco to get to Europe or trying to use it. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot, there's a lot of xenophobia around that time. And I think, you know, along with just the language barrier, we're still learning Arabic. Yeah. I just, just like, it just, it was a lot of stuff. But like, the last time I was there was 2012. Uh, these kids tried to say something to me. I went off. I went off in Egyptian Arabic because that's what I knew. And then they started laughing because it was like, why are you speaking this? Like, you're a random <laughs> chick and this is so weird. But at least I felt like I could stand up for myself. Yeah. Um, and had better luck with people standing up for me. This dude got off a bus. I remember this muscular dude got off a bus, put his, like, um, suitcase down and, like, no, he didn't get off a bus. He went on the bus. They were making fun of me and they were on the bus and he, like, shut them down. And I was Aww. like, oh. But it started with me like yelling at them and being like, you need to have some respect. It's Ramadan. You guys are shameless, blah, 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 blah. All the stuff I couldn't do before. And people often take your silence to mean that like you're weak. Yeah. Um, When it's not that, sometimes it's just like, damn, I wish I could tell you what I want to tell you, but I only speak English right now. Yeah. I've gone off in uh, what was it in Singapore before? I didn't quite realize that you. Can, that's not how they don't oh, yeah, do. Girl, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't go off in Singapore. <laughs> but they, they made me very upset. <laughs> I ain't going off in Singapore. They beat you for chewing gum and sticking it on the floor or something. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm good. <laughs> I was with I was with a friend and she was like, "Girl, we don't do that." <laughs> But I'm like, but this is principles. Yeah, I was like, it's the principles. I did that in Indonesia. I remember I got on a plane and apparently in flight, there had been some sort of, I don't know if it was the Christmas underwear, but somebody tried to do like a terrorist thing with a plane while I was in flight to Indonesia. And it was an African person, I think. So when I got off the plane and I'm going through immigration and they're asking me all these questions and I'm like I'm thinking it's because I'm black right I'm like well why are you in Indonesia I was like I'm here because I want to be what do you think oh god I never played that with those I was getting so much attitude and then they let me go and I was like I'm here to visit a friend I just want to see your country blah 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 and then later on I was like oh they weren't they weren't confused that I that I was there they were just on high alert because of xyz that happened so yeah being entitled can get you being entitled american get you in trouble well so far so good knock on wood so crazy experiences traveling while i guess we talked more about traveling while african I mean, these, some of these experiences also pertain to traveling around black. But let us know what your thoughts are. You know, share some of your stories. Yeah, what are your experiences going back to your country of origin, going to other countries, trying to get visas, being on planes, getting off planes? Follow us on Instagram. Share your stories there. We often post uh, to announce new episodes. We often make other posts discussing different things going on in the African African dot American community. We want to hear your voice. Let us know how you feel, and we'll let you know how we feel right back. Ciao. Yeah.